0: That growth at all cost mentality and treating people like objects, you are not going to get the most out of people. They know they're being treated like an object. They are just a way of getting something done to serve somebody else.
1: Not everyone makes the news, but behind every growth driving experience, product, and transformation are experts who shape the outcome. Welcome to Behind the Growth a podcast for digital leaders and those aspiring to become one. Each episode features a candid conversation with a remarkable individual. Join us as we focus on their struggles, wins, and lessons learned you won't find anywhere else. Let's get started. Welcome to Behind the Growth. I'm your host, Mudassar Malik. And today we're celebrating Lisa Sharapara. CMO, Arbinger Institute, and one of my favorite marketing leaders. Lisa, it's great to have you on the show and super excited about the chat.
0: Thanks for having me, Midasar. It is great to be here, and I'm so glad that you're doing this. It's exciting.
1: Awesome. So uh, are you settled? Are you enjoying the new city? I'm sure you're enjoying the warmer winters, but how's it going?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we moved from Chicago to Charlotte in July, so it's been a little over six months. I feel like things are coming together and almost every day I check the weather back in the Midwest and I think about how fortunate I am to be in a warmer climate. That was one of the big reasons for the move. So it's been great.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm jealous. I'm already feeling that you're, you've made a better decision, but Lisa, let's get started. Like, I think everyone would love to know your career journey. And uh, more recently, what motivated you to join Arbinger? So talk to us about it.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, how far back should I go, Madhav Sar?
1: Yeah, I I think, you know, you've got a great background of how you've been building up your career. You know, I've witnessed, I've been part of your journey for a couple of years now. I think you're so intentional. It was so beautifully crafted and how you kind of motivated yourself in a very, very clear line of direction for yourself. So, you know, a couple of years down the line and just a broader buildup would be great.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'll go way back and I'll say I started in graphic design and that was more intentional because I wanted to be an astronaut and (laughs) pretty quickly realized after a trip to space camp that I'd begged to do for like eight years that I wasn't cut out for that line of work. So it was my fallback. I switched from physics to design in high school. And ended up in a graphic design program and um pursued that for quite some time. But I pretty quickly realized that I'm a big form follows function. I like to ask the question, why a lot? I want to understand my audience, the strategy. Why are we doing this? What are we trying to accomplish with the work? It wasn't just to be a work of art. It was marketing. And so... That is kind of what ended up getting me into a position where I started to take over demand gen strategies. I started to get really involved with the field and sometimes shadowing. And before, like, gong was a thing and you couldn't really listen to calls. I would beg to be on calls. I would, you know, find a way to really understand the audience, their pain points, what they cared about. And Ultimately, that landed me in a company called a Primo. We were kind of spun out from Teradata and I had an opportunity to step up and say, Hey, I really want to take on a broader marketing role. I've been doing this, this and this and this and this. <laughs> <laughs> and they gave me a chance to really, you know, look at a broader scope of marketing. So with that, I, really started to look at the entire life cycle of the customer really started thinking about account based marketing in a strategic way and how do you surround an account create champions in that account and you know have people who like and trust you who want to buy from you who want to promote you who want to share their story with other prospects and customers and and help your company and so that when I started to really put those pieces together and started to see success there, that was when I was like, "All right, now I am going to be very intentional about the next roles I take, how I build out my skill set, what do I need to do to get the CMO role." And it was really more of a a factor of I see all these like dots connecting, I see how it all works, I want to be able to have the I guess the title and authority that goes along with it to make those strategic decisions. And I also kind of got up to a point in my career where I was like, I'd rather be the one accountable than be frustrated and feel like I'm just kind of almost in a blame game. So I didn't want to be in that blame game. I just make me accountable. I'll deal with it, but I want to have some control. (laughs)
1: Very few people actually vouch for that, right? They they don't want to step up and take responsibility. So that's that's tremendous. So how's the how's the CMO life going for you? Like, and you know, I'm, and right now you're at Arbinger, but I think you've been a CMO before that as well. So talk us through with that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll say you know it's hard. I love it. It's kind of the double-edged sword. The biggest thing that I've noticed in my career as a whole is that most of the time it's the people problems that get in the way of what you're doing. It's not that you're there's, you know, there's always enough technology out there to help. There's always a way to make something work, but it's the people problems. And so it's something I've been working on over time. I would say my people skills weren't like the gift I was given. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But I, tremendously care about how people work together and how people treat each other and why the why again behind what people are doing and why are they doing it and that over time has become really important to me so you know after being in the b2b tech world for over a decade and just kind of seeing this mentality of growth at all costs very cutthroat you know, I I strategically made a decision and said, I'm going to look for something where I really feel like not only do I believe in what the, the company is doing as a whole, that it's going to make a difference, and that the culture and the leadership team is the kind of people that I want to work with every day that I really feel like I can gel with, that we can, you know, make great things happen together. And that we're going to be a team, that we're going to have a trust factor and be able to be real and honest and I guess accountable to each other as well. And so that was kind of, you know, when I started looking for something new, I said, these are my non negotiables. Those are the most important things to me. I also want some runway. I don't want it to be this you've got 18 months to like hit these numbers or else, you know, let's, I want a realistic, situation where people really believe in this and there's enough runway to do what needs to be done whatever that is and so those are those were the things that i kind of set up as my non-negotiables the most important priorities to me in looking for something new
1: wow it seems like you're there now like you know this is your spot
0: yeah yeah right. it feels like it it's great it's such a good feeling to feel like you're in the right place and you're making a difference and the work you're doing matters and your team believes in you and, you know, not just the people working for you, but the people working with you, alongside you, and the, like the owners of the company, are managing partners, you know, I mean, it makes such a difference when you wake up in the morning and you're, you're like, yeah, I'm ready to go tackle this. And even if it's a tough challenge, or we've got something to overcome, like we're all in it together. And you know, we have the same desired outcomes and we're going to figure
1: out how to do it. It's, I was, was going to say it's so powerful working for a company where you're that aligned with this purpose and you gel in so well into the culture. Like that's phenomenal. And to be very honest, I've been wanting to have this chat since you joined Arbinger. And, you know, I really appreciate your LinkedIn post on shifting mindsets. And I just wanted to have an opportunity to dig in deeper with you. So let's, let's do some level setting here. And how would you differentiate between an inward and an outward mindset?
0: Well, I could pull up our definitions, but I'm not going
1: to.
0: (laughs) I'll just kind of off the cuff say, you know, when we're inward, we care more about ourselves. We care about how we look or how people see us or, you know, we go into what we call these boxes where it's like I deserve or I'm better than or even seeing yourself as worse than other people and, um, that causes problems. You're putting yourself first and therefore every decision that you make, every action that you take, you know, it's really about you, even if you subconsciously, right. Even if it's just like, you don't have the confidence. And so you're kind of in this like worse than box, you know, it tends to become a problem. Whereas when you have an outward mindset, the idea is that you see people as people. You understand and try to get to understand their problems, their pain points, how you're impacting them, what their desired results are. How can you help them to achieve the bigger outcome? You're putting, you know, other people's needs first, but also the bigger picture, this desired outcome first over your own ego, your own problems, your own desires. And you know, in life, like I've just learned it's not just a business thing. You know, in any relationship, marriage with my kids, my parents, my family, my siblings, my friends, you know, when I when I'm in it for me, it just it doesn't feel as good and you I'm usually not as happy, and you know, all you're doing is having these expectations and, and being let down most of the time. So, when I put it into a business sense too, it's like, how can we work together to achieve this result? It feels so much better, and it's more enjoyable along the way. But you're also people know, like when you're in it with them, and they're gonna most of the time reciprocate too, and. It's usually a win-win. So, just kind of the juxtaposition between those two ways of being and how you're approaching things.
1: Your mindset. But do you do you also feel like it's limited to just leadership as just getting an outward mindset, and it's or it's just a general transformation of the org? Because you know, I I want to connect the dots with what you said earlier, which was you know growth at all costs, and now it's about efficient growth, and recognizing growth is always going to be on but how can you really be real with it and you also said about you're becoming a people's leader and i also want to just see how does this does this get limited because a lot of people might be thinking hey it's a leadership thing they need to do it for us it's not my role yet but how do you define it or how would you explain this part
0: yeah i mean you know again there isn't Like this is a right answer and this is a wrong answer to this framework, but just to put it in context of like Arbinger and the products that we have, one of the things that we sell, we have is this product called Outward Inclusion, and that's really about creating a culture of inclusion and belonging and getting more to the heart of just understanding people also understanding the biases that you bring to the table understanding ways that you might be i guess like fundamentally judging somebody else unfairly just because of your past your history the things that you were taught to believe and that's everybody we all have biases we all have experiences that have shaped us and then therefore shaped some sort of a mindset or decision about things that we even, again, subconsciously will bring to a new situation or relationship, you know, and it's part of like, kind of like, like, again, fight or flight instinct. And so knowing that and understanding that for each person in the workplace can really start to break down those walls and those barriers and silos. And again, as a whole, if you want to hit in a stride where you're having more efficient growth, things that create inefficiency are things like turnover, people not giving their best, people not, you know, really showing up and, and giving hundred percent people getting in the way of other people because whatever, you know, reasons they have, whether it's they're trying to climb the ladder, they want to look better. They want the promotion. they, you know, or again, people who aren't engaged, people who are quiet quitting, people who are just showing up to get the paycheck. Those are all things that get away in the way of efficient growth. That growth at all costs mentality and treating people like objects, you are not going to get the most out of people. They know they're being treated like an object. They are just a way of getting something done to serve somebody else. And when people give their best, it's when they believe in it, when they are passionate about what they're doing, when they feel like they belong, that their work matters, that they're making a difference, that their skills are being used. And so, yes, like you were asked about leaders, you know, there's a saying, I hear it a lot, people quit bosses, not companies. You know, and it's like, yeah, your leadership team does matter. Your manager does matter. How they treat you matters. You can have teams within a company that are performing really well and teams that aren't. And it it's not always just the manager, right? But there, it's a big part of it. It's how they're being led. It's how they're made to feel. It's how they're being seen. You know, it's how they're being treated and also how they're being held accountable, There's different ways to approach it. And so, you know, having the right tools, having the right mindset, it really makes a difference when you're trying to tap into any sort of sustainable change and results.
1: Yeah, I I was thinking while you were saying it, like it would make such a huge difference. And even if you're looking at executive side, your executive strategy alignment, your go-to-market alignment, being, you know, collaborative and inclusive. And just not there, but just all across the organization, such a powerful thing. How much of, I don't know if there's a percentage that you could give that what kind of percentage impact does mindset bring into your growth? Uh, yeah, growth there's,
0: there's a great McKenzie study out there and they just refreshed it last year. It's 4x increase in desired results when you transform mindsets across the organization. Wow. Wow. Four times. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And there's such a huge opportunity for the ones who are missing out on it, right? Like they're just not recognizing that what kind of impact this can bring. Like, but how do, if anybody does want to, what would be your quick tip on just looking at what does a transformational journey look like? You know, I'm sure it's just not one. Yeah. I
0: mean, you know, some of it depends, I think on where you're starting and size of organization, all those things, but there's different ways. You can start with Arbinger, but we typically start with a two day workshop and developing an outward mindset. We have a leadership component to that, which is, you know, a separate offering. So ideally you start with the leadership team and then you kind of work your way through the organization. But we've had many organizations that start, you know, with one internal department you're seeing those results and then you bring in the leadership team or it might start as a DEI initiative. But when you start to see this impact of this outward mindset, changing your mindset and how people are treating each other and how they're working together better and you're starting to see these silos break down and, you know, results start to happen, you know, just from that inclusion workshop, it's like, you know, this is changing our culture. Let's make it intentional Then move to the leadership team. But again, we've got different types of workshops for each of those different areas and materials that go along with them. And then we've got online sustainment tools and workbooks that are part of the training. So it's like you make it your own. Once you understand it, once you've immersed yourself in it, you've done the training, you know, there's all sorts of different tools and online sustainment. We also have coaching intervention-like times we can come in. We'd like to do one QBR or one half day minimum every quarter with the leadership team just to make sure this is like catching hold and talk through challenges. So, you know, we will customize packages, but the core of it is these workshops and these tools and really getting immersed in it and learning how to use them and then making them your own.
1: So while you're at it, I'm sure you've got many success stories and love for you to share some with us. And just at a high level, something that comes to your mind, some of these initiatives that have the impact they've created. So just to keep the, you know, the inspiration going for our listeners, how, how would you kind of bring some forward?
0: Yeah. I mean, first of all, I'll say like, again, this is something that has changed people's lives personally and professionally. Now we, for the most part, our focus is on professional environments, but it's everything from like, we're working with Pearl Harbor right now. We're working with different groups within the military and helping with things. But we've also, we are also working with different police departments. One of our biggest success stories is the Kansas city police department. And now they went from having tons and tons of complaints, all sorts of, just problems up and down, <laughs> you know, by, by, we all know like a lot of the things yeah. that go on in these, you know, police departments, we've seen them on the news, but to zero excessive force complaints, which saved the department over $3 million a year, 10 times more guns and drugs recover because people were cooperating. And it was all this change in mindset, how we approach situations and help and, The major Chip Huth, who was the head of that department now works at Arbinger and is working with different departments across the country. But we also have a lot of corporate examples as well. And it's everything from companies being in situations where they're restructuring and needing to cut like hundreds of millions of dollars and starting with saying, okay, well, let's start with layoffs, right? Which is like the most logical. You know, and they're looking at the layoffs and they're like, well, this is only going to get us 10% of what we need to cut. Is it really the layoffs? And so when people started sitting down and talking through like the challenges that they're running into, what are the blockers for them to actually hit their numbers? What are the things holding them back? They ended up coming to the conclusion that layoffs weren't the answer. There was some restructuring that needed to be done. Some people had to give up their title and move under other departments or refigure how they were getting their work done. But we've seen companies be able to cut a hundred million dollars in expenses with zero layoffs and then go on to have huge growth numbers you know and again, this is across the board this is a lot of different types of companies we've worked with pet food companies we've worked with financial services companies we have different types of corporations so you know it's really again it's back to like what i love about this is it's fundamental it's a universal thing how our mindset say, drives like, everything yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. There's, there's no limitation to industry or the use case really it's really designing it, customizing it to the situation. And I wish like with the current situation going on with the layoffs and everything, like I, I really hope that more companies can take you guys up on this one and can actually learn and at least get through this as a basic orientation. What impact can we generate from here? Even if they're a little hesitant, but I think now, there's such a huge opportunity. Like it's just a huge miss if they're not.
0: I mean, one of the things that we've been talking about a lot here is people are usually the potential. They're usually where you're going to find the turnaround in your business is your people. They have the potential to help you get where you need to go. It's, are you tapping into it? So yeah, layoffs (laughs) are not usually the answer, but I think too many companies have just gotten to the point where they've waited too long. They haven't identified the problems soon enough. Also in a growth at all cost mentality, a lot of the times it's like, we'll just hire a whole bunch of salespeople and then we'll hit our numbers, right? Well, oh, haven't
1: we heard that many that times? <laughs> Marketers have heard that a lot many Yeah, times. and then
0: marketing can <laughs> give us some more pipeline because we decided hired all yeah. these people, right? And, and again, that's why I'm here is because how many times have I heard that? And I know that that's not the answer. And like yeah. they're, you you've know, worked for so many progressive deeper.
1: brands. You've been, you know, you've been leading these functions at so many of these progressive brands that really had a flavor and you can represent the statement. And I think you can, you can own it. So we love that. What would you say to someone who wants to learn more about the outward mindset? Like, if, is there some advice on how they can go about it? Or
0: yeah. I mean, first of all, you know, check out our website. Although it's under construction and hoping to be relaunched early April really working on Mm -hmm. cleaning up that messaging. But we also have several books. One is called Leadership and Self-Deception. There's another one called The Outward Mindset. And then there's another one called Anatomy of Peace. And I would recommend starting with Leadership and Self-Deception. I think it's the most logical kind of flow and then going through in the order I just mentioned, but they're all good. They all stand alone. But that one, I feel like kind of gives the context and sets Everything else up. So it's a great way great. to get started, definitely, and check out the resources and our site too.
1: Great. Thank you so much. That's great. And uh, we're coming up on our time. So, what's the best way for our listeners to connect with you?
0: Yeah, definitely LinkedIn. So, LinkedIn backslash Lisa Sherapada.
1: Got it. Lisa, thank you again. It was great learning for more about you and the mindset needed to drive results. I think there's tons of goodness that you've shared with us. I hope we can, we can absorb that and we can take the advantage and keep moving forward.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Madasar. Appreciate you having me.
1: Thanks for listening to Behind the Growth. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow along on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. This podcast is brought to you by Mobile Live, a team of digital experts specializing in designing experiences, building products, and scaling technology. For more episodes of Behind the Growth, please visit mobilelive.ca/podcast.